Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 490 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is our Weekender edition. So we thank you for tuning in to The Weekender. This is number 99. We're one shy of 100 on this Weekender. And it looks like, I think, the way we have things planned out, that the 100th episode of The Weekender is going to be our last episode for the year. So that should be interesting. It'll be a, a Weekender and a year-end wrap-up. So stay tuned for that. But there's a couple of episodes in between here and there. So we'll have some good stuff to go down before the year wraps up and before we take a little break or come back in 2023 but that's in the future let's go ahead with the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet and this particular episode before we get into our topics let's introduce to ourselves i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill na4rd all right so the gang's all here it's the day before thanksgiving so we hope everybody has a great thanksgiving if you're in the united states and if you're not you'll be have a great day doing whatever it is you do that's not thanksgiving so let's go ahead and get into our topic as you have probably figured out by now when we do a weekender we start off with a random topic chosen by the picker wheel i have put all the topics in I've done the five randomizations, and I'm ready to click the button and find out what we're going to groan about this time. <laughs> so here we go. Okay, this might be a short topic. Who knows? It's an amateur radio topic. So. <laughs> The question is, or the topic is, is amateur radio noob-friendly? Noob-friendly. Hmm. That's you a good question. You guys have fun with us. Oh, you're a noob. We need your, we need your input on this. No, 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 no. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like the definition of this, this question. So. Yes, well, I've already expressed my uh, issues, I guess, with... Uh, most ham radio operators, at least the ones in this area. Okay, well then I guess we need to. Then you just need to <laughs> tell us again what your thoughts are. I, essentially, and I think this probably applies to most anywhere um, because I see it on the ham radio groups on Facebook. A lot of people will say, "Hi, I'm new," and instead of people elmering them, they basically ride their butts about how stupid they are when they ask questions. And to me, a lot of the questions seem perfectly logical questions. Um, but these people will be like, you know, why did you become a ham radio operator if you didn't know this stuff? And I'm like, well, aren't you guys supposed to help out? Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, it kind of, it, and I have the same issue at Invention. People will walk up to the table 
ask if you or Bill are there. And when I say no, they're out wandering around or whatever, they're like, well, I'll come back and talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about and walk off. <laughs> Jesus. Like, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> okay, well, let me ask so, you this. Has, have you met anyone in the amateur radio hobby that isn't like that? You and Bill aren't. We're, we're the only two? <laughs> find well, that no, there's, no, there's other people. But I would say, I don't know, probably <laughs> two-thirds of the people that I've encountered have been pretty... Um, you're either you're a stupid woman or you're just stupid, you know, because and on the Facebook groups, you know, the older people will actually come out and say, I had to learn this on my own. You should, too. Well, to, OK, why don't you, which, no, why don't you which, fire back to them that, you know, you obviously didn't know this at some point, too. You had to learn it. Oh, people do. I, you know, I just, I like show up and read the comments. And people, you know, half of the people will be like, you know, you need to figure this out on the on your own. The other half will be, that's not how this works. You know, we're supposed to help. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a bad situation. I, I kind of find the same thing. I think that in a lot of cases, especially like in the local clubs here, we have several local clubs and... They all seem to talk a big game about being newbie friendly, like, you know, join us, join our nets, be part of our thing, come to our meetings, blah, blah, blah. And then when you actually take them up on it, they they seem to be fairly standoffish. So, yeah, no, I've, I have encountered that uh, at several, either at field days here around here or at actual meetings around here to the point that I don't want to go back. Yeah, I don't. I don't think any of the local, I think one of the local clubs has like a GOTA station, but I'm not sure the other ones do. And they don't seem particularly interested in promoting the hobby. They just want to, you know, be part of the field day thing and make their contacts and, and whatnot. So in that regard, yeah, I don't think it's particularly friendly. What about, what about learning? Like absent of people, the hobby itself, is it, is it new friendly to get into if you're not dealing with, you know, human beings um to a certain extent yes you know obviously i had i had tried studying before and it wasn't it wasn't clicking and then when i tried to test a hamvention that didn't work out in the beginning uh because they weren't wheelchair friendly um but you know we i i expressed my issues during the podcast and things started like a domino effect working in my favor. You know, I got the right study stuff. I got people to come to Hamvention to actually test me. So I didn't have to worry about fitting within the definition of Hamvention's testing. Because it's still, even once they moved to uh, Xenia, it still wasn't wheelchair slash handicap friendly. So, you know, that was all taken care of. You know, and then, you know, I, I'm done with my testing. But, you know, um, but yes, some of the some of the study guides to me are not terribly um, noob friendly, purely because um, they're confusing the way they're written. So, you know, it's and I understand that, you know, 
some study guides literally give you the answers, where other study guides are like, you know, this is how you deduct to come up with the answer. So, you know, it's like, eh, whatever. But so, but yeah, some of the some of the language for the study guides can be confusing. And again, I've seen that on Facebook too. You know, people will be like, yeah, I, I took the test 14 times before I finally passed because I was getting hung up on a dozen different questions, you know, and it was because of the book I had or whatever. So I guess I got lucky in a sense with the club that I joined when I first got into amateur radio because they really were into the spirit of Elmering and they actually had dedicated Elmer's for getting people into the hobby and they even put on structured classes for getting through the the novice and the tech exams and did the testing and everything else so they sort of mentored all the way through to from your first introduction to amateur radio right to getting your license and i have to imagine that there are other clubs that fit that mold but it seems like the clubs around here like i said they seem to talk a good game but then don't really follow through Maybe, I mean, we don't exactly go to a lot of club meetings, so that that might be an outsider's perspective. I'm not sure. But what, where's where do you land on this, Bill? I'm, I'm going to say, Cheryl's going to say no. I'm going to say sort of a qualified no. And and uh, so, well, I mean, you know, I, like you, Russ, had a very good experience when I started out, you know, based upon the local club that was there. And they, they you know, definitely you know, had a lot of the qualities that I, I wanted to do in the hobby and stuff like that, which was, a you know, basically a lot of contesting and stuff like that. Cause that's kind of uh, what interested me in the, uh, in the hobby. I kind of came into ham radio already with uh, a background in radio communications, uh, with the civil air patrol. So I was kind of already familiar with using the radio and stuff like that. And it already snooped onto the ham bands and stuff like that. So I kind of, kind of figured out how, how they did stuff. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I had an Elmer and, and it was, it was amazing. I learned a lot of stuff, especially about VHF and setting up a station and stuff like that. And, um, you know, today there's, there's, there's probably a plethora of information out there to get people jump started into the hobby. Um, you know, with all the YouTube content, uh, podcasting content and, and everything else. I mean, you don't even have to be involved with the club and you can learn a lot about the hobby. Um, just, just based on all the information that's out there. And, uh, you know, when, when we started, <laughs> there really wasn't much of an internet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you really relied on those, those groups to kind of, <clears throat> to give you that kind of, that starting, you know, spark to, uh, put you on your journey into the hobby and stuff like that. I mean, as for the testing and stuff, you know, I just, you know, memorized the question pool, you know, so I didn't really, I didn't learn too much from the testing stuff. So I can't really claim on the guides, whether that helped me or didn't help me and stuff like that. Um, I really was not interested in too much of the information in the tests, you know, cause it's just, it's kind of boring. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think, I think the accessibility of information is, is great. Um, I have had many bad experiences with the uh, clubs only because they have different, uh, you know, different goals. Every club has some kind of thing that they, they do. And, uh, you know, I just really haven't melded with, uh, a local club in a long time because, you know, I'm, 
I've, I've grew up on one club <laughs> and, and it was a really good experience. And I, I've been trying to, you know, relive that experience again. And, and I just have not been able to find it. Um, you know, except for, you know, now I'm part of a, a contester group that is just in the state of Montana. And, uh, you know, we don't really meet except for maybe once in a while on Zoom. <laughs> so, you know, those club meetings are great because, uh, you know, we're all kind of like minded individuals and, you know, that's what we do is contesting. So it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty, easy that we're going to talk about a topic that interests all of us um where if i went to a local club meeting here and you know i'm not i'm not poo-pooing on the local club here but like you know it's a lot of business uh, a lot of repeater stuff and they're talking about emergency services and the aspect of uh, you know doing community walks and stuff like that which you know you know, when I did emergency services, it was in Florida and we had hurricanes and, and, uh, yeah, that was a really interesting experience, uh, being involved in that, but it's, it's going to change, um, locale to locale, you know, your experience is going to change because, you know, what, what is out there and what is available can, can definitely change locally. I mean, it's much like, you know, here it's like, uh, you know, repeater dead zone. We have, you know, a local repeater and stuff like that, but. You know, I mean, there technically is a DMR repeater, but I've used it once <laughs> and uh, I, I think there was a D-Star repeater. I don't know if there still is um, in the area, but but yeah, like some of that aspect of the hobby, like if you're in a remote area, you're never going to experience that. So you will be a slight neophyte when you travel to an area that has a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of these services that you don't have locally. And, uh, you will be asking questions like, do I need a code plug? Do I need this? How do I, how do I access this repeater? And, you know, you know, um, you will probably get the, the, the poo poo answers that you don't want to hear. And, you know, and yeah, the hobby is, you know, probably still grossly mass uh, misogyny, misog- mis- misogynistic or whatever. <laughs> too much toxic masculinity in the hobby um still so uh, i know females get a get a bad bad rap uh from that but uh they have really excellent yl communities that uh you know foster foster that elmerism that uh that uh you know that we got when we were starting out in the hobby and that's that's really that's really great i wish it could be more inclusive in all of the clubs and and uh that it was kind of a more of an emphasis to to grow the diversity of the population of the ham radio community um but uh yeah noob friendly it, it really it you know it depends i mean if you go out looking for your own answer you're gonna see the 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 dumpster fire that is some of the comment streams on some of the uh, questions that you'll find in reddit and facebook and twitter and everything else and you see a lot of people commenting on the fact that yeah it's still it's still this weird you know you know weird weird man run hobby <laughs> you know um that is off-putting to a lot of people um but uh you know i hope i hope as it continues to grow i mean the numbers are definitely showing that the diversity is growing and uh hopefully it'll be more and more noob friendly as uh as people you know continue to embrace uh inclusivity and diversity in their clubs yeah i i think a lot of it is just like finding the right people at the right time you definitely can have good experiences and you can definitely have bad experiences i think uh there's a lot of like nets and stuff where you can get a lot of information if you're willing to key up and be a part of them i think the biggest problem is finding them i don't i don't know if there's a good clearinghouse for like technical nets question nets you know ask about the hobby type things elmers and stuff like that i know they exist they it's it's just hard to stumble upon them i think in that way it's not particularly newbie friendly either you kind of have to be shown where to get these resources yeah, trying to find the right community is sometimes sometimes burdensome. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. So to go back to the original question, is amateur radio noob friendly? I think I think we're going to have to come down slightly on the no on this. <laughs> I, think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think on face value it is, but like it depends on how deeply you dive into it. Um, you'll, you're going to find, you're going to find these, uh, pockets that are, you know, uh, several bad apples rooting the bunch type thing. Um, but I think, I, you know, I just think there's so much information for new people that's available in, in easy to digest formats that I, I think it would be more on the noobish side, uh, you know, uh, community wise, but, um, trying to find your own community is, is definitely not not noob friendly so if it requires someone pointing you in the right direction but there is no one to do that can you really call it noob friendly i guess i mean I, you know to some extent yeah i mean i guess I'm, I'm probably in the middle then um because i would say that you know if you put some effort into it it's not it's not hard to find the information you're looking for but if you blindly go out into a community you're not familiar with and then you start asking questions that maybe a simple search could have answered for you or something like that on Google, which, you know, we're all guilty of saying, Hey, you know, GFGI, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, there's probably a million answers for the same questions. And, uh, yeah. in some communities are probably going to get uh, that off-putting response. You know, it's like, really, you're asking this question again. You know, did you look at the community terms when you joined this Facebook group? And did you, <laughs> did you even search anything that's been asked before? Um, yeah, you're always going to have those sour pusses in there that are going to, you know, you know, poo poo on you that the first chance they get because they have nothing better to do in their lives. So, you know, uh, you know, they're just animals. All right. Fair enough. I guess it comes down to the fact, though, that if you're motivated to do anything, you'll find you'll find the way through. You'll find the information you need. You'll find the people that you need to help you. So it it comes down to your level of motivation. But I, I would hope that a, a hobby like amateur radio or any hobby really that if somebody wanted to start getting into it that people would be more welcoming and less inclined to tell you to you know go read tfm (laughs) (laughs) um or at least if you know point point out the relevant document in a nice way as opposed to saying you know why didn't you just google for this you piece of crap <laughs> you animal <laughs> so yeah, google has the answers for everything come on you know that yeah. even DuckDuckGo has the same answers <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so so i guess if we're going on a scale of zero being completely and utterly unnoob friendly and 100 being completely noob friendly open arms it's the best hobby in the world and you can find every piece of information you ever needed we'd go like 49 <laughs> I, I'd probably err on the side of uh, positive 51. <laughs> 51. <laughs> That's like, yeah, yeah. It all depends. You know, a motivated individual can find out anything they need to find out. Yeah. Oh, so we're being extraordinarily diplomatic and, uh, well, I mean, you know, it really is. If, if you're not, you got to understand that the hobby is, is, you know, is a solo run, you know, in general. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, you sit in your radio room alone, um, and then you have to make it work to, to bridge out and open the communication path to others. So it does require a bit of self-motivation to, to get started and, and to get going. And if your only reliance is on, you know, someone getting you to get to that point, yeah, it might be hard. Um, but, you know, I mean, you can find the right individual 
just like, you know, me and you found plenty of individuals that we, uh, you know, don't really have the greatest, uh, words for in the hobby, <laughs> you know, um, but there are plenty of individuals that, that go out of their way to ensure that people have the information they need to be successful in the hobby. And, uh, that's the nice part about it is that you can find those and they're quite visible these days because they're out there on the internet broadcasting weekly podcasts or net shows on top of uh, YouTube or something like that. And uh, they all have, you know, sort of their own communities as well. You know, ham radio crash course, uh, you know, W5KUB, um, all those groups are, are quite friendly. All right. I think that's totally fair. So I would say just get into the hobby, be, be a little bit motivated to do a little work on your own, try and find the correct resources, go down, the, go down all the paths that are required do a little work on your own part, ignore the bad actors, and you probably will have a really good experience with the hobby. Works for me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I think we can wrap up our topic. Is Amateur Radio New Friendly? I'm not sure we actually gave an answer, but no one said we had to. So, it's a possible maybe. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's a good place to leave it. It's a very political answer. And in this political climate, you know, perfect place to be. So Cheryl is back at her desk, and that's great because we're going to slide on into hedonism, which is the part of the show we all really love. And we always start with food because we're human and we all got to eat, even if you're a bad actor in the amateur radio community or if you're one of those diehard Elmers. Whoever you are, you probably eat. So what are we eating this time? So this time I am sharing the recipe for the apple beer turkey that we had over the weekend. Um, Russ and I attended a, like a dinner tasting with wine over the weekend. And I actually asked the manager of the winery how he did his turkey because it was amazing. So he gave me a quick rundown on what he used. And then I came home and searched down a recipe that came fairly close to it. So, and so that is the recipe that I am sharing with you today. And for this, you need some butter and some hard apple cider or apple juice, if you prefer, some salt, some Worcestershire sauce, some soy sauce, onion powder, garlic powder, cayenne pepper, and turkey. Turkey is probably the ideal thing to use for this. Uh, if you don't have one, you might, might try again next year. So, um, and the rest of the recipe, which is super easy from what I understand, will be in the show notes. So, you don't want to take anybody through it because somebody might be doing this like right now as they well, listen. Well, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. That, that's true. So, <clears throat> just to, to quickly gloss over it, melt the butter in a, in a saucepan over medium heat. Stir in your apple cider or your apple juice or whatever. Yeah, you could even use just a regular beer if you wanted to. Um, some, the salt, the Worcestershire, the soy sauce, the onion powder, the garlic powder, and the cayenne. Bring it to a boil. Remove it from the heat. Uh, fill a culinary injector with the hot mixture of stuff. Inject the turkey in several spots. Drizzle some over the top of the turkey. You know, if you've got any left, dump it in the bottom of your pan. Um, roast it at 325 degrees for four-ish hours. Now, keep in mind, this is for a 15-pound bone-in turkey. Follow the instructions on your packaging if you've got a smaller turkey or using a turkey breast. Um, but you want your meat to get to about 165 degrees. Uh, and let once you remove it from the oven, let your turkey rest before you carve it or all the juices are just going to run right out of it. So let it rest for 20 or 30 minutes. So there you go. That's, that's the quick and easy way to do it. So, and, and we're doing this, right? Yeah, this is what we're doing tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. 
We're we're going the like four four pound turkey breast route, but we're gonna we're definitely gonna do this. It sounds good. Well, and, and and we're using a different spice mixture, but that spice is only available in this area. So and it's called cookies. Um, and I don't remember what the rest of the name of it is. Do you, Russ? Because you were the one that grabbed it. I, I did grab it. I, all I know is that it's called cookies. It's in a white a bottle with a white label. And if you're looking for it, don't look for it in the spice aisle. Look for it in the condiment aisle. Well, that's where Hy-Vee have, has it. So anybody that lives in the Midwest is familiar with Hy-Vee, now you know where to find it in your store. Well, I think it's so. it's going to be kind of similar for most grocery stores because it, it's in the place where you find all of the things that you use for meat, like your it's cookies flavor enhancer. Yeah. Yes. Stuff like yes. that. So, so it's, it's available on Amazon, so you can buy it on Amazon. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> It's a all-purpose seasoning and rub. Yep, and it's really, really good. So, but well, there you go. There's our does little. It doesn't doesn't have the MSG in it though. You know, you need the MSG. Well, you it can ha- always add has, MSG. Yeah, you, you can, and, but it has meat tenderizer in it. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was really good because I specifically asked him. So, what is the seasoning on it? He's like, it's cookies. I was like, okay, I didn't expect it to be cookies, and he was like, <laughs> Did you ask if they were is. chocolate chip? Yeah. No, no, I forgot to ask that part. So, <laughs> but so you know, it's it's quick and easy. Um, he said it took him about ten minutes to throw together, and you know, then baking time. So it's like, well, that seems simple enough, and it was an excellent turkey. It was, it was super moist. So I have to agree, all of the food they made was was simple but flavorful and and quite tasty. So. You didn't uh, you didn't pick out a mixed drink? I have been a little busy. I do have it. Oh. I just didn't get it in the ether pad in time. So Okay, well you can just tell us what it is and you can put it in later. Uh, yep, that's what I plan on doing. So for my drink, I picked out the New England Express. It is a um, rum and cider mixed drink, which were both very popular in New England for Thanksgiving you know, things. It's a punch. So, but it's a, it's a low, uh, proof punch. So you're not going to be passed out under the table. Boo. Boo. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so for this, you need to make a thyme simple syrup. So you need a third of a cup of sugar and eight sprigs of thyme. And then to assemble it, you need two cups of apple cider, one and a half cups of dark rum, three quarters of a cup of fresh lime juice, a teaspoon of Angostura bitters, some club soda, some sprigs of thyme, and some lime slices. So in making, since I'll go ahead and share the recipe too, since you might be making this tomorrow, uh, to make your thyme syrup, bring the sugar and water to a boil in a saucepan to dissolve the sugar, remove from the heat, add the thyme, cover, let stand for 10 or so minutes, Strain it into a small jar, let it cool down. Um, and if you want, if you're going to make this for Christmas or something, you can make the syrup today. And it is still be good at Christmas time. So uh, for the rest of the drink, mix the, the thyme syrup, cider, rum, lime juice, and bitters together in a pitcher. Uh, divide among rocks glasses filled with ice. Top off with the club soda. Garnish with the thyme sprigs and the lime slices. And there you go. You have a beautiful little drink to go along with your turkey for Thanksgiving. So Yep. Make sure you start this process well before your relatives arrive. So you'll be properly lubricated before everyone shows up. 
Well, yeah, duh. So <laughs> we're, we're having Friendsgiving, so we're skipping over that whole family thing. So All right. Well, and if you are having family over, you might want to skip the whole let's make time simple syrup thing and just go straight to the bourbon. And if you want to do that, then I have one you might want to try. It's the Ezra Brooks 99 Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And I looked this up on their website, and their description of it is very simple. So I'll read their very simple description. Bottled at an elevated 99 proof for an enhanced flavor profile, this pure oak barrel-aged Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey is charcoal filtered for a smooth, mellow finish and features a spicy rye bourbon mash bill. That's all I have to say on the matter. So <clears throat> I it took me a while to find this. It doesn't seem to show up on our shelves. It might be more prevalent in other places, but... Yeah, whether or not you can find it, I hope you can. It's uh, mash bill, 78% corn, 10% rye, 12% malted barley, so fairly typical low rye bourbon. Uh, proof on it, 99 proof, as uh, evidenced by the name of it, 49.5% ABV. Comes from Bardstown, Kentucky. Color on it is a deep caramel, uh, deep enough that it's possible it's caramel colored. And the nose on it... A little bit of vanilla, some caramel, charred oak, and peanut. It's pretty straightforward bourbon flavors. And that peanut, I didn't get banana, but that, that peanut and banana are definitely characteristics of some charcoal-filtered um, bourbons. And also stuff that goes through the Lincoln County process, like um, Jack Daniels. So it, it doesn't taste like Jack Daniels, but it's got some similar characteristics. So the taste on it follows kind of along with the nose. You got caramel creams, vanilla, brown sugar, toasted oak, peppercorns, and peanuts. I, I did notice that it's kind of hot across the board. It, it's a 99 proof, which is, you know, higher than some bourbons, but it seems hot for its proof. So you kind of have to get by that. So maybe don't make this for your, your first bourbon of the night, but second or third, you should be fine. And the finish on it. Follows sort of right along with the first caramel, vanilla, dry oak, leather, peanut dust, and a faint rye spice. So I'm going to take a quick sip of it here so I can uh, reimagine what I've just said. Yep. All of those things are absolutely true. It, it is a little hot. I do have to say maybe hotter than I'd like, but overall the alcohol prominence doesn't detract from it all that much. You, you get good bourbon flavor out of it. So and it's it's definitely not terribly expensive. It's only twenty five to thirty bucks, uh, you know, depending on where you are in the country or whatever. If you can find it, so rating on this is not going to be super high. I'll give it like one extra point because it's cheap. So we'll give it an eighty four. Eighty four sounds exactly like where it should be. It's it's fairly solid. It won't disappoint. It'll probably make a fantastic mule or a great cocktail. You can drink it straight. And it won't break the bank. So uh, take that for what it is. And uh, like I said, if you can find it and want to give it a try and these flavor profiles sound good to you, it's the Ezra Brooks 99 Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So do you have anything, Bill? Yeah. So I have uh, I have the Wiseman Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. And I, I just noticed that uh, this is my last glass. <laughs> So apparently I have drank the whole bottle. Um, but yeah, this is a straight rye, obviously. Uh, it's from Bardstown Bourbon Company. Uh, that's the distillery. Uh, it has a release date of this year, April two, uh, 2022 and ongoing. So it's available now. Uh, the proof is uh, 100.8, so 50.4% alcohol. 
Um, age is uh, at least four years based upon the label requirements. Uh, its mash bill is 95% rye and 5% malted barley. Uh, color is listed as light copper. It's about a $60 bottle of, uh, of whiskey. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just another one that God, Rossville Union has ruined me for all rise. <laughs> Sorry um, about that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm, I'm never going to find a rye that I'm going to mark as better, but <laughs> for the money. Um, but, uh, anyway, it's, it's not bad. It's actually, it's a pretty, has a pretty interesting taste. It's, it's definitely different than, um, than a Rossville and a Peerless and, and several others that I've, I've gone through. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't really, uh, I don't, I don't prefer it. That's for sure. Um, I mean, it does make a nice, uh, a nice old fashioned. And I've also had it in a, uh, in a, um, a whiskey mule or Kentucky mule or whatever they're called close to you when you throw, you know, a bunch of whiskey in, in a cock and bowl together and enjoy it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it can be tasty, uh, mixed in, but it does have like a, just, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of what, what you got, what you call the, what the, 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 the funk from, uh, from, uh, Wild turkey, <laughs> wild turkey funk. It definitely has sort of a funk to it. Um, and that's probably the only thing I could say that is maybe slightly off putting. Um, the characteristics are, are fine. You know, it's got that spice finish and stuff like that. The stuff you expect from a, from a nice high rye whiskey. Um, yeah, but it's definitely a good mixer for sure. Um, I, I don't do ratings. So, um, but yeah, it, it would be a really good mixer, but it's too expensive for, I would say that purpose. So, uh, I mean, it would be a very low scoring in that realm, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can always try it. I mean, if it's not, if it's on sale, I would try it. Um, I think I paid 62. Yeah. I think I paid 62 in Montana. So it's got to be cheaper other places. So the MSRP is around 60. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, obviously I've drank the whole bottle, so it's, it's not horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess it's at least palatable some of the time. So. Yeah, and I, I mean, I drink it mostly straight. Like I said, I've only mixed it into two different drinks. So, I mean, every other swig out of the bottle was was straight. So, yeah, it's it's not off putting for sure. It's it's just uh, it you know for the price for ten dollars more, I can have Rossville Union Barrel Proof. So, yeah, it's uh, you know the litmus test <laughs> <laughs> fails that test miserably. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. But it does sound like an interesting, you know, for somebody who wants to try new things, definitely would uh, be one that you could consider and, and yeah. not, not be put off by at all. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying new rise and stuff like that just to try to find something, something in the family that, that just really piques my interest. And uh, this one is, is good, but it's, uh, you know, not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Curse you, Rossville Union. Exactly. (laughs) Spoiled for life. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very good. So the only thing I had is an announcement. Uh, We didn't have any feedback this time around, at least one, not one that I found. If I forgot one, I will make sure that it gets into the next episode. And I do apologize, but I did a cursory look and I didn't find any. So I did have one announcement, and that is that we do have a second merchandise store. We have the first one which is at shop.lhspodcast.info, which is where we've been doing our sort of glassware and stickers and things like that that have to go go along with the show. But we didn't really have a way to do things that were like one-off prints where you had to do screen printing or things that were embroidered like jerseys and hats and stuff like that. So 
I went looking around for one. I did find one. We got grandfathered in, so we we don't have to pay to have the store. They don't have free options anymore. But I got in early enough so that our so that we don't have to pay to be part of the store, which is great. So it's a it's a site called I'm not sure whether it's Selfie or Selfie. I, I kind of think it's like selfie, like you're taking a selfie, but that, that's the way I think of it. But regardless of whatever the name of the site is, you can go to that site, lhspodcast.selfie.store, and selfie is S-E-L-L-F-Y. Or you can use the short URL, lhs.fyi slash shop2. Uh, that's the number two. And over there, we have things that are embroidered or screen printed, like T-shirts, caps, jackets, um, there's like bucket caps and beanies, uh, laptop covers, cell phone cases, all that, all that kind of stuff is available there. They, they, prices are pretty reasonable. They don't charge a lot of extra shipping and our cut from sales is actually pretty good. It's like way over what things like, uh, cafe press and Teespring and stuff like that used to be. So if you guys are looking for that kind of merchandise, it is available. Please check it out. There's a lot of things we can add. So if there's a particular kind of merchandise or a particular kind of apparel or something that you're looking for, please let us know because I can definitely add it. And uh, check it out because we do get a little bit of a cut from the sales of the stuff at that shop. And it helps to promote the show and to keep the show going. So check it out. And like I said, if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. We appreciate it. And with that, we are down to our new subscribers, supporters, and live participants. So we'll bring Cheryl back in here and she can wrap up the show. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, I was shopping. Oh, yeah. Okay. They have fat people clothes. They do. They have they have t-shirts up to 5x. Woo! So, yes. Yeah, I'm going to get a t-shirt and a phone case. Cool. So, then I'll be all set for Hamvention. So, I guess uh, the only people who are buying stuff from the store are us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so far, right? <laughs> yeah, so far. But That's okay. We got to start somewhere. Yeah, we do so. have to start somewhere. All right, so, so now now that you're now that you've got your your order in, let's let's talk about subscribers and supporters and stuff. All right, fine. So this week we didn't have any new subscribers or Patreons. Nobody joined us on Facebook, but we had at J Ray Poe on Twitter, at the Data Martin C on Twitter, at uh, AP- the Data Mart Incorporated. Oh, sorry, the Data Mart Inc. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, sorry, wasn't paying attention that far out. No, no, no um, I get it. It's it's like it's all run together. So how the hell are you supposed to know? But they they you know they're a company, so they may want people to know who they actually are. Actually, are right? Yeah. <laughs> at APR Sir underscore App and at Terry Lee Craig fifty eight on YouTube, we had iClicks Bomefontaine, Adonis sixteen sixteen, Javid Karabai, and Thomas. Just Shannon Muller, I'm going to guess that was right, uh, on the mailing list, AE5GA joined us. Beanie Sales to Mr. NE4RD on uh, <laughs> on Selfie. And on Discord, we had Arnold B and WA1PB. And on the live chat, we had Ted, WA0EIR, Tony, K4XSS, Steve, KA7HVT, and Robert, W1RCP. All right. Well, thank you for getting through that. And thank you for those of you who tuned in live and those of you who will tune in later and maybe listen to this while you're 
cooking your ham or turkey or like i said before if you're in another part of the world doing whatever it is you do while those of us here in the united states celebrate thanksgiving but whatever you're doing over the next week we hope you have a great time we hope you have fun with friends and family and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode which will be a deep dive on what we don't know yet but we'll figure it out before the next show comes around so thanks everybody for listening we really appreciate it send us feedback if you get a chance we'd love to hear from you and in the meantime have a great week and we'll talk to you next time around this has been episode number 490 the 99th edition of the weekender i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill na4rd73 Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. (laughs) 